Welcome to The Rate Debate, a lively discussion from the champions of Australian fixed income, featuring Darren Langer and Chris Rands from Nico Asset Management. Hello and welcome back to all our listeners to 2021 and Happy New Year. Uh, this is the 13th episode of The Rate Debate. I'm Darren Langer, Head of Fixed Income at Nico Asset Management, and joining me as always is my co-portfolio manager, Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. Amidst the on-again, off-again of state lockdowns, territory borders, uh, we managed to steal ourselves away from our desks for a well-earned break. It was good to change, recharge the batteries, but it's the new year now and uh, we're back to, to have a look and see what the RBA has said today. And hopefully uh, 2021 is going to be a much better year than uh, 2020 for everybody. So as I mentioned, it's the, it's the first Tuesday of February. Uh, the RBA has just met and despite some speculation by various participants in the market, the RBA said very little different to what they've said for the last few months. As I mentioned, there was some speculation, Chris, that uh, things could change. What do you think was driving some of that? I think the the real driver behind why the market, I guess, started speculating on why things could change is that a lot of the economic information, you know, a lot of equity prices and stuff like that are starting to look a lot more positive. Uh, and because of that, there was a bit of speculation, I guess, that either QE would be reduced in terms of the amount that they're buying and and one house was actually calling for it to be basically removed. I think though from the meeting today what we've seen is the RBA is kind of putting their foot down on that early and, and telling us that these policies are going to remain for some time and, and that's probably a little bit different to what the market was expecting that that there would, would be some reduction which is obviously just on the back of all that positive news that we've seen over the past couple of months. Yeah, I, I certainly uh, was a bit surprised, you know, having having been away for a little while, coming back into it to see just how upbeat certain uh, market commentaries have been and the fact that, you know, people were already talking about withdrawal of stimulus, even though we're, we're still probably in the throes of um, – not, not the depths of the problem, but, you know, COVID-19 certainly still a big issue um, globally. We're in a situation where we're still relying on JobKeeper to keep certain industries alive. Um, you've had the Morrison government recently talk about trying to withdraw some of that stimulus over the next couple of months. It just seemed an unlikely time for the RBA to suddenly come out and go on a completely new tact when they don't have probably enough information to to make that determination. Yeah, that, that certainly seems right. And I think it what you look at the RBA saying today that they've again told us that they're probably not going to be ready to move rates until at least 2024. Um, so while we have been seeing a lot of positive economic information, it's important to kind of remind everyone that we are still in kind of an economic hole. We, we still have high unemployment, inflation is still low. And because of that, the RBA is going to keep their foot on the gas and make sure that monetary policy is easy uh, and that they're supporting the, the economy, even though it's starting to look better. Yeah, most definitely. I, I think, um, you know, whilst the, the prospect of rates remaining at 10 basis points till 2024 isn't probably a great one for a fixed income manager, it does actually present lots of opportunities. And, and as you say, there's still a, a lot of uncertainty um, out there. But some of the things that we're, we're sort of seeing that are, I, I guess, the, the main um, outcomes of uh, you know, some of the policy that we have and, and some of the reasons that either we, we see much better outcomes or much worse outcomes. The first of those is, is obviously the housing market. We certainly won't shy away from the fact that we were a little bit worried about housing, certainly in early 2020, given the outlook for 
employment and things like that. It's really been a, a really big turnaround story. The housing market's responded really well to um, to interest rates, and we've actually seen housing start to pick up. What What do you uh, see as the big things for housing over the next um, six to twelve months? Yeah, I think when when I look at housing. Basically, the the best lead indicator that I've found is the amount of uh, loans or borrowing that the banks are giving to the market. So when you see a big spike in the amount of people asking for loans, that generally means that you probably got house price uh, increases coming. Now, as you said, you know, in the middle of last year, there was a lot of factors sitting there that you could say, you know, there's a bit of risk here that people aren't going to want to borrow. And and it's been that low rates has been kind of overrided all of those negatives and now looks extremely positive. So at the moment, owner-occupied finance is as fast as I've ever seen it rise. It's going basically faster than any period since 2009. So huge amount of people coming to the market to borrow money. And Typically, that leads house prices by about six months. And if you look at the increase that's been coming in mortgage lending, it's pointing to about a 15% increase in house prices this year. Now, at the moment, that's really just coming from owner occupiers and first home buyers. The stats that came out this month actually showed that investors are actually starting to get into the market again this year as well. So when I look at the figures, it's actually starting to look very similar to 2015, where you saw rates fall, people decide that they're going to borrow a lot of money, investors then come into the market. And with that, just a huge amount of borrowing and lending occurring that sees house prices increase. The other thing that I think really comes off the back of this is given how fast these lending approvals are rising, it might also suggest that uh, since the Royal Commission is now out of the way from you know the past 18 months, uh, perhaps lending standards are being relaxed a little bit and that's allowing people to borrow more money and get into the market. So, so typically when I look at this, I would be saying you know the next 12 months are probably going to be very positive for the housing market. If you look over the past kind of 10 years, typically an interest rate cut has lasted about 18 months of house price increases before it ended. So my feeling would be unless macro prudential comes in to really kind of stop it and slow it down, we should be thinking about house prices that really increase in 2021 and begin to slow sometime in kind of mid-2022. Yeah, I must admit, you know, I don't disagree with the short-term outlook on housing. It does look quite strong and, you know, we've already seen quite a lot of um, new loans and stuff go through. One of the things that sits in the back of my mind still is the fact that, you know, our borders are still closed. We don't have any net migration. We've basically got a situation where renters are probably the ones moving from the rental market into an owner-occupied situation, their first mortgages, things like that. We may have some household formation with kids finally leaving the nest and, and moving into their own homes, but the reality is that's going to be a limited sort of uptick. And if we start to see uh, a big increase in investor loans, I, I just sometimes wonder where all these renters are going to come from because you know we don't have any international students here at the moment. Um, we don't have anybody coming in and out to take on you know some of the airbnb market and, and things like that so i'm a little bit concerned sort of how we look in two years but yeah definitely the next couple of months look quite good yeah and i think as well that kind of feeds into something we've talked about a lot in the past that you know when you push the housing market like this um, debt levels also increase kind of very rapidly so in 12 to 18 months time you'll probably then expect the household sector to have a lot more debt sitting on its balance sheet which um, obviously makes it harder for the RBA to raise rates but as well if you kind of think about what you're describing if you look at the rate cycle from 2016 through to 2018 that's essentially what happened they cut rates house prices picked up but once house prices started kind of 
falling or, or starting to drop, that was when we, we, we saw the real kind of economic fallout come from that policy. So I think you are kind of on the right path to say, you know, I'm a little bit worried what this could mean in 24 months. But, you know, when I think about rates, what the RBA is doing, generally the market doesn't think that far forward. Usually it's three to six months. So you look at the housing story and you say for interest rates, that's probably positive for as far forward that the market wants to forecast. Three to six months is kind. Three to six minutes is probably more the reality. <laughs> I, I guess the the other the other thing sitting out there that's probably going to have you know one of the biggest impacts on you know which which path we go from here is vaccines. We're at the stage now where a vaccine exists. Um, it seems to do the job for the vast majority of people in Australia. You know, seventy five percent of people have been surveyed as happy to take it. What do you think um, are sort of the benefits, I guess, of the vaccinations coming in, but also what's the pitfalls if if we have another reoccurrence where vaccines seem to be not as effective as what they could be? Yeah, so I guess the the outlook that, that we wrote recently that looked at kind of this this very idea really kind of posed the question of what are the odds of this vaccine working? So my kind of annoyance at the moment was that if you read a lot of people's outlooks, if you looked at what they were talking about, basically they said, if the vaccine works, then we're going to have extremely strong conditions. Now, I certainly agree with that. If the vaccine works, we're probably going to set ourselves to be in a very strong recovery. But that's a pretty huge conditional statement to start your outlook with that, you know, this vaccine will work and that's the path that we're on. So I think the starting point here is to say, how much do we believe that this vaccination is going to prove effective over the next kind of six to 12 months in actually making sure that we can get back to our lives kind of as we know it? A lot of the early information with you know, the amount of vaccines that Australia is going to have access to. So CSL is producing um, somewhere between 30 to, to 60 million vaccines that are expected to be rolled out this year. And the government is telling us that by October, they can basically have the entire population vaccinated. So, you know, you take that information and you say, as long as the vaccine is effective, which it looks like it is, there is a very good chance that we're going to be going back to kind of our normal lives in Australia, at least sometime at the back end of this year. The drawback to this is kind of these questions that that I guess we've always come back to over the past six months is that, you know, will it work against these new strains of the virus? You know, the the ones that are coming out of UK, South Africa, those types of things, is it going to be as effective versus them? How long is the effectiveness going to last for? Will I need to get another vaccine, you know, in six, 12 months time? Those types of things are, are really the things that could slow this down. So when I look at the outlook at the moment, I think from the government and the RBA's perspective is you have to say, look, it's starting to look fairly positive that this vaccine will work and we're going to be back to our usual lives. But I can't take my foot off the gas here. I can't kind of get too positive on this because there still is the chance that it doesn't work. And in the event that it doesn't work, the economic outlook is going to be far worse. Now, that doesn't kind of make for the best reading when you're kind of showing all these different outcomes. But that starting point of how much do you believe the vaccine is going to work, I think is really where you need to look at because that is going to really point the economy in one direction or the other. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that also, um, you know, I think a lot about is how much of the recovery so far is just government and monetary policy stimulus versus how much of it is sustainable. So even if the vaccine works, we suddenly have the government starting to withdraw stimulus. You might have the RBA starting to talk about tightening monetary policy, whether that's just withdrawing QE and keeping rates low. It could be a combination of the two. But the one thing we really don't know is whether the economy is self-sustaining or whether it's really just the stimulus. And I think, you know, to me, that's that's the really difficult question to answer. It's kind of like a test it and see thing. They're not going to know until they try. 
Um, we, we saw a similar sort of outcome back in 2011 at the end of the GFC when you know things were looking quite strong. The RBA tightened aggressively and the economy just fell over. And, and I got to admit, you know, to me, that, that is one of the big risks over the next probably two to five years rather than immediate. But that, that's something that sort of sits in the back of my mind as to, you know, we haven't been able to escape from this sort of malaise we've been in for years and years. Um, and why is this going to be any different now? Yeah, I, I generally kind of think about this as, as well in kind of, I guess, two timeframes. And I kind of think in the short term, you know, it's it's still looking positive. And I think the government's response to um, what they're talking about with JobKeeper. So we've seen basically the government say that the blank checks for income support will soon be ending. My feeling is that they're kind of getting to the point where they're ready to say that now because they have a very strong confidence that the vaccine is going to work. And in the second half of this year, it's going to be closer to kind of business as usual than, than necessarily the conditions we've been in the past 12 months. So I think that also feeds into why the RBA needs to make sure that they do keep conditions easy because if the government starts to back away with their spending, the RBA in the short term at least is going to have to be a little bit careful that they don't rip it all away at the same time and then we find that conditions tighten too much and it turns the other way. So when you think about the longer term, eventually you would expect that both of the easy fiscal policy and easy monetary policy do need to end, but it's far harder I think to pinpoint when that time will be because when you look across the world at the moment. There's basically no sign really anywhere that these policies are going to end anytime soon. I know they're kind of starting to posture with it, but if you think about QE in Europe, at least over the past 10 years, they've been posturing that it's going to end, you know, in six months time, every six months, and it's still here. So I have this feeling that longer term, we might not find out what happens if they withdraw at all, because it's probably just not going to happen. One of the criticisms, I guess, of past policy action is that it's been too reliant on monetary policy and there hasn't been enough from fiscal. This time we've actually seen both of them sort of pull in the same direction um, and it has been quite successful. There's, there's no no two ways about that. But, you know, you, you just wonder <laughs> adding two lots of stimulus and then suddenly trying to withdraw both of them at the same time is probably going to be disastrous. So I think, you know, if the government is actually rattling the sabre and saying they want to withdraw stimulus, I think the RBA will be quite wary of um, trying to cause a double double whammy effect um, at the time. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting path of how they navigate their way out. Yeah, no, and that's probably just a, a good kind of point to just raise on what the RBA actually said today. So at the at the end of the RBA statement, what they said was the board will not increase the cash rate until actual inflation is sustainably within the 2 to 3% target range and that they do not expect those conditions to be met until 2024 at the earliest. To start them on their policy normalization path, we're going to have to see inflation back 2 to 3%, which, you know, as we've talked about in the past, they they weren't able to achieve that even over the past five years before COVID. So, you know, that's a, a tough goal to hit even in good times. And now in a recovering economic situation, they're saying, look, that might be more than three years away. So for the market, at least, you know, you can kind of, I guess, stop second guessing when the RBA is going to go because they're telling you it's going to be at least kind of three years away. Some of the things we, we look at in terms of trying to work out when that's happening is various leading indicators. One of the anecdotal evidence is that uh, we've seen toll road um, usage sort of back to around sort of, you know, the, the low 90% uh, sort of levels, but we're still seeing public transport, 
you know, bumping along at 45%. So you, you see on the one side some positive news and, and on the other, it's not quite so positive. Well, what are the, some of the things you, you were seeing that's giving the RBA that little bit of hope that thing is improving? And they have, you know, made that comment that they do see signs of improvement in the economy. When I was kind of writing the outlook, generally what I would do is I would go through our, our lead indicators and I'd kind of take a view on what they're looking like and, and what we think could move them. When I was going through this process recently, what I found was that basically every indicator that I stopped to look at looked extremely strong. And I think this is kind of feeding into why the market thought that you know QE could potentially be reduced because all those normal things that you look at were really, really good. So some of those things would be global PMIs. So the manufacturing indexes are basically at 10-year highs, which tells us that you know manufacturing activity is coming back to life. Um, domestically, you've seen uh, relatively strong retail sales. So all the job keeper and job seeker money had people spending money. Um, disposable income was up and that was also looking very positive. Um, but the other thing that we really have started to see is that job ads are starting to improve again. Um, the unemployment rate has begun to drop. You would have seen that Scott Morrison and the government were putting out the figures that 90% of the employment lost has now been recovered. And then we've also got, as we said earlier, people are starting to borrow for housing and equity prices are rising. So there's just this kind of mix of any economic indicator basically that you can go and find saying things are starting to look better. And in normal times, if you were just to look at those, you would be saying, surely the RBA should be starting to get hawkish when they look at this. So you do need to be a little bit careful reading this information at the moment. But I think that's why the market is so positive, because it doesn't matter what lead indicator you went and selected, they were all starting to point up. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one of the other plus um, things for the columns are uh, the fact that government revenue would also be better. So some of the, uh, I guess, estimates of how much they might need to borrow um, over the next couple of years is probably a lot lower than perhaps what was expected. And perversely, that'll actually help interest rates rather than hurt them. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. The one thing that does sort of worry me a little bit around manufacturing is the fact that I, I worry that it was just you, we produced a lot more toilet paper over the COVID crisis and that's been the main thing. But let's hope it was something more than that. Well, it, it's, it's probably also interesting to, to kind of come to some of these points and, and just kind of reiterate why you need to be careful kind of thinking about these things and, and to point out that it's important to understand or to try and piece together just what is driving these things. So for example, equity prices rising is, is generally a, a, a positive signal for the economy. But how much of that is the fact that governments are running 20% deficits and that the central banks are, are monetizing huge amounts of easy policy via QE. So it's very easy at the moment, I think, to look at some of these indicators and say, wow, this should carry on. But if you overreact to some of those indicators and pull some of that stimulus away, perhaps they look the other way and you don't get the signal that you thought you were getting. And you know that's a little bit hard, I think, at the moment to really detangle some of these things because everything is looking better and it's hard to figure out whether or not that is just a natural recovery or whether it's being driven by just the super easy policy in the background. Well, that's it for the month. Before we go, I just wanted to let you know that while the RBA was on a break, uh, we were quite busy uh, writing out our uh, Outlook paper for 2021. You can find this paper and our other insights on our website at nickoem.com.au. You can also subscribe to our Insights email while you're there so you automatically receive all our latest updates. Tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA's March rate decision and provide an update on what's been happening in markets. Until then, stay safe. 
This podcast was prepared by Nico AM Limited, ABN 9900337625 AFSL number 237563. It is of a general nature only and does not constitute personal advice or an offer of any financial product. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any individual. Any references to particular securities or sectors are for illustrative purposes only and this is not a recommendation. Any economic or market forecasts are not guaranteed.